What's up, my uh, peeps? Uh, you know, it's not. What's Easter. up, low gang? That's actually I'm that's that's on that's on topic actually right there. Logan Paul. Oh, I, I thought we were talking about like low heads. Oh, low heads. No, I'm talking about Logan Paul. But yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I love how we have one. So we're, you know, we we're going live um, on on Instagram as we kind of normally do. I just looked at it, and right now a guy was like, "You don't have style." Yeah. Do you have no style? <laughs> Whoops. The jury's out, guys. Anyway, welcome back to... Our podcast is just called Direction now. Yeah. It's about us reviewing Google Maps and Apple Maps and seeing how they... uh, Which one's better. Um, By the way, you should not use Apple Maps. Let me just tell you that. There are a couple times when people use them. I think me and Spencer were going with a friend to a Halloween party, and a friend of ours used Apple Maps for something, and then it took them somewhere totally different. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, w- where are we? He's like, oh, I went to where the directions are. And I'm like, well, Google Maps says we still have to keep going. He's like, oh, I'm not using it. I'm like, well, that's that's why you were lost. I remember lost. When, when Apple Maps like first was launched and the first week it was like, it keeps telling me to like drive into the ocean. <laughs> like people. <laughs> it says turn left here. Yeah. No, you go around. I'm turning left now. Yeah. Um, but I was like, it's a robot uprising. It's like, this is how they kill us. Bender, bending. Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Speedy Gonzalez. That was before we started uh, recording. <laughs> anyway, for those of you who don't know, and if you have uh, still listened to us after like we're like a minute and a half into this, this is Style and Direction, a menswear podcast without the stuffiness. I am your host, Ethan Wong. I'm your other host, Spencer Adi. And you guys asked for it. Not really. No one asked um, for this. No one asked for this, but we did it anyway. We watched the Ralph Lauren documentary on HBO Go? Now, which one is it? Um, I have had both. So here's my, here's a, for the listeners, here's my quick history with HBO. Okay. I have never had HBO or so I thought. So over the summer, I was paying for an HBO subscription so I could watch it's not television shows. Um, <laughs> and then I discovered that um, my dad has HBO through uh, Time Warner. I okay. guess it's now Spectrum. Um, but so I, I didn't need to be paying for it at all. So I stopped paying for it, and now I'm just on my uh, the this the whichever one comes with your cable service. But here's the problem with that: the one that comes with your like cable subscription uh, is not going to include HBO Max, the new streaming service that's coming out. So if you want to get that, you're going to have to pay an extra fee. This is why pirating is going to come back. Yeah. If it already had, if 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 you know. I remember the old days of uh, allegedly I was torrenting. <laughs> allegedly, parody. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I uh, you know, I'm uh you know pirate pirate bay. Yar, yar. There be pirates. Anyway, so we watched the documentary and uh, we thought it'd be cool to kind of talk about it and kind of talk about our experience with Ralph Lauren because we're such good friends with him. Yeah, Ralph. He was yeah. on the first episode, but unfortunately we lost the audio. So. Yeah, he was like, how the fuck do I export this? Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he sent us the, uh, the project file, but not the, uh, not the exported audio. And then when I asked him, he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. This and then hung up the phone. This little inside <laughs> joke for all you podcast heads out there. I don't know. Yeah. Like know. people who know about audio engineering. Um, it's not even that. All you got to do is export the audio. It's not hard. Like, you don't send over your, like, word application you export your word document and into a fucking pdf and then you send that in yeah there's just like there's a reason we haven't done interviews in like months <laughs> it's this this is why people yeah. don't know how to be tech savvy um which means uh for future guests we'll have to find people who know how to do that or we'll just have to record the audio from our end and be okay yeah. with the audio not I was going to make a joke saying that there's not many people who have like done college radio and are into menswear so nice yeah anyway um let, let's talk about it so spencer what's your experience with ralph lauren were you ever like did your parents ever like grow up buying polo or i think i probably owned some like polo p- polos i don't know um pps pp pp but it wasn't Pineapple like pp but it was yeah, never like yeah. ralph ralph <laughs> lauren was never like a huge th- i mean it's like again it wasn't until i started caring about clothes that I that I started really getting into Ralph Lauren, 
And I had the realization when I was like, when like in like middle school, I Googled Ralph Lauren and was like, holy shit, it's only been around since like 1967 and Ralph Lauren is still alive. I was like, I think I just kind of assumed it was like this old brand because of how like famous it was and like and it how has like classic the kind of, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it has like a waspy name, Ralph Lauren. Exactly. You know, um, but yeah, I mean like hey, as, talk about as a kid, as a kid, I mean, there was never like. I was never like, ooh, I want the fucking like, I want the little polo, like the 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 horse on my polo shirt. I never really oh, cared yeah. about that. Um, but yeah. See, for me, I think my because my mom. So people who, people who don't follow my Instagram, I post pictures of my mom every once in a while, like whenever I have lunch with her, and she's a very well dressed woman. She kind of has like this like love affair with like Americana, very very trad Ivy, maybe a little bit like designer, but I'm I'm pretty sure she's the reason why I knew about like Ralph Lauren as a kid. Um she would like wear their dresses or she'd aspire to wear their dresses. Um I'm pretty sure when I was a kid I had like a polo bear like sweater from like Macy's, mm. you know. Because you, you know? have and the polo bear tie like towel. Towels. Yeah, <laughs> I do. If uh on my like birthday I think I took a picture of me like with like two my two polo bear uh towels, which is really fun. It's super sick, I love those. Yeah, yeah. Um and I'm pretty sure I must have had like, you know, like a uh like a duffel coat or, or something from back in the day. Um but yeah, even like like you said, like even as a kid, like I didn't really want the polo polos mm-hmm. i kind of knew that they were a little too much branding my parents maybe they had like a t-shirt like a pajama shirt that had like the embroidered polo player on it but you know when you get to um this might not be like a thing that's my turn but like when i got into like high school um there you know there are memes like nine gag and it's like oh like the rich chinese student in your class would be wearing like head to toe polo because you know it's like a stereotype that a lot of asian uh immigrants or people from like china or whatever will like something with heavy american branding and i saw it firsthand in my school which is predominantly asian you know even when my uh my cousins or, or so would like come to the united states my grandparents would go to like to macy's or, or jc Penney, wherever you get like the uh the cheaper and ralph lauren stuff and then buy stuff from there to give to family members it's funny because those memes you're talking about i think they still exist but now it's like the like the rich like asian foreign exchange student it's all like hype beast shit Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, it's there's like I good, still see those memes every once in a while. Yeah, but yeah, there's a good TikTok that's like um uh you know how Asians dress like per like, you know, per eth- uh, specific ethnicity. Um and it's the Chinese one is all hype, like mm-hmm. like Spencer said. Um but but yeah, I I distinctly remember also like, you know, seeing how Ralph Lauren kind of worked in a sense like, you know, when you would go to the mall you'd see like the advertisements or like you know when my parents first bought me like esquire magazines i didn't really read them i probably brought it for my dad and i he passed them on to me like hey you should dress up too or whatever or because i used to wear plaid shorts and like <laughs> <laughs> graphic nerdy t-shirts hey, me all too, the time. baby plaid <laughs> yeah. short gang <laughs> yeah <laughs> fedoras yeah i didn't I, wear fedoras i didn't have the I, plaid shorts i wore jean shorts too <laughs> oh god yeah um but yeah, i used to see like you know like these very striking images that you know we you know like the bruce weber images that we'll get into later um but rachel green from friends worked at ralph lauren in the show and like you know they would that was like one of my first you know forays into like what the fashion world was like you know oh you have to forecast you got to buy you got to be a buyer you got to think about like upcoming seasons and in this particular episode um Rachel's boss thinks that Rachel is sleeping with Ralph Lauren oh, wow. and every time they have a discussion about it Ralph actually gets into the elevator and he doesn't he doesn't say anything he's just there wearing like a sport coat with fucking like cowboy jeans and a big old belt buckle like he always does yeah he just walks in and he goes like hello Rachel and like walks out and then the boss goes I knew it <laughs> and it's like it's really funny and it's really cool like I was like oh that's that's Ralph Lauren that's the man and I'm like wait he's like alive and he's like you know, a fairly, like, younger guy, you know, that you would think, like, you know, like, you know Valentino or, like, mm-hmm. uh, fucking Versace or something, you know, like, he's, like, a contemporary, but he's such associated with, like, classic American style for both men and women, which is pretty insane to me. Yeah, it's like, I can't imagine, like, the fashion world, like, I can't imagine, like, going into a mall and not seeing, like, Ralph Lauren branding somewhere. And that's, yeah. like, something that they talk about in the documentary is, like, how he, like, he completely like dominated the market, which is it's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even like his effect on like vintage is so big because mm-hmm. I think like I didn't like you know after you know we got into like vintage, I kind of just forgot about um, vintage. Uh, I forgot about, like modern designers. I didn't you know I didn't go to J Crew. You know, 
or I mean Spencer didn't even till like recently, you know, yeah. in, in our entire menswear journey. But like a lot of vintage people had only good things to say about Ralph Lauren. Mm. Like apparently, like this guy, you know, again, I didn't really know much about him other than my mom would like to shop there. But like he would do like full cut trousers, pleated, you know, pleats, um, pleated pleats, peepees, um, but you know, like like three roll two, you know, classic American clothing um, that you technically could get away with for like a you know a modern interpretation of vintage you know and you couldn't get that anywhere else you couldn't go to like h&m and get that you couldn't really go to like abercrombie and fitch and get that and even you know? like from his line that they had at like fucking macy's which is like i don't know how much control that he has over it or if it's just kind of like yeah for for those who don't know like a lot of stuff like that go through different pipelines like outlets are usually not designed or even made by the actual mm-hmm. parent group but go ahead. But yeah, it's like I think his Macy's, like his like outlet line, is like Lauren by Ralph Lauren or something yep. like that. But like when I when I worked at, at at Macy's, it's like I I saw some of it and I didn't buy any of it. But I was like, the like a lot of the cloth that it had like wasn't bad. It's like you had like really good like tweeds, some like nice herringbones and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's like maybe the cut wasn't great, but it's like the cloth was was really good. Yeah, and it's like. Uh, I uh, a couple of times when I would like thrift stuff, I would find like Ralph Lauren, like Lauren by Ralph Lauren mm-hmm. stuff or old polo. Um, actually, one of the first things I got from Put This On, um, you know, through the their eBay th- eBay eBay thing that Spencer does, yeah. um, was like a seventies polo Ralph Lauren suit, like a very early in his career. Oh, was that the cotton full one? suit? No, no, it was oh, the, the, uh, the the gray the one, piece, yeah, the yeah. gray three piece. That it was like wide lapels straight leg or, or like flat front pants but like they had like side tab adjusters and like a, an extended tab uh closure on the front and it was super cool uh i unfortunately got it altered beyond the point of uh wearability for me at least because uh, i got it shortened i got it like taken in or whatever um my friend jay has it i don't know if he still wears it it's still in the, his closet but your big problem with it was the uh was button stance right yeah i got it shortened and the button stance would be really low because we'll, that's we'll get into that I mean that we'll go and get into it, but that seems like kind of like again, I'm, I have nothing but good things to say about Ralph Lauren, but he does like low button stances. It seems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly, um, and you'll get this from from the documentary when we discuss it in a little bit. The documentary, like, if we haven't mentioned, is called Very Ralph, right? Yeah, it's called Very Ralph. Not real Ralph, as I originally thought it was called. R <laughs> R. Yeah. George R R Martin. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, yeah, like, um, he wasn't really concerned about reproducing things, even though he does kind of do that. Mm -hmm. He does, like, put a lot of spin on certain things. But, like, anyway, this suit, it's a gray worsted suit. It looked, if you thought about it, like, kind of 30s, you know, very, like, kind of strong shoulders, nipped waist. And even had a short waistcoat, if I recall. Yeah, short waistcoat. Yeah, really cool. Um, and then I also got, like, you know, I think this was, like, last year or two years ago, I got, like, a, um, a cotton DB from him that unfortunately might be a little bit long and a low button stance because he likes that kind of thing. But it looked like almost identical to like a cut of like a 1940s mm-hmm. suit. Um, even like forward pleats and everything, you know, very English um, inspired. And um, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it's really good. He does really great stuff that really skirts the line between like classic contemporary and then like vintage, you know. Because and that's why we kind of like him. I think you, know? you could say that he doesn't do reproductions, but it's like he's like getting the vibe of it, and that's like a big part of the documentary. Is like they don't yeah, say vibe, yeah. but they don't say yeah. vibe in it. But it's like he wants to capture. Yeah, he's the like, you know what? I wanted to just vibe. Vibe yeah. check. Vibe <laughs> check. Punch. Um, um, but yeah, he's he like really tries to capture the feeling of a certain thing. Yeah, um, and I think he does that very well. Definitely. And so before we get into the documentary, I just want to mention, you know, there are a couple of tiers of Ralph Lauren. You know, obviously, like we said uh, a, little, a little bit ago, the uh, the mall brand stuff, like the ones you find in a department store, like a J, I don't know, Mace, I don't know, North, I don't know what it is. They sell them in but Macy's, like, I don't know where else. Okay, yeah. But like, um, like, those are kind of like the lower tier stuff. Like, he's primarily, primarily known for like, you know, his... Uh, purple label which i think mm-hmm. is one of the highest ones i think that is the um, highest one that's the highest one yeah um which are found in his standalone stores um his own retail stuff which we'll also get into um he also does what we definitely love double rl uh-huh. which is like my favorite line it, well i mean mine too that's to that's else closer that has, to yeah. a straight up like reproduction stuff yeah it's yeah, like yeah, maybe he'll use like different like fun cloth or whatever 
but for the mm-hmm. most part, it's like you can find analogs to almost everything he's making. In yeah, he's done like belt back stuff, and you like know, military surplus, or yeah, even tailoring. Yeah, and those yeah, are incredible. So- like those suits that he see at the Double RL store, it's like perfect because they're, they're like fucking like belt backs they got the soft shoulders they like the 30s just with soft shoulders it's incredible which is exactly what i'm about yeah. you know for tailoring um and so he has that which is a um i would argue it's like his pet project yeah because it's mean, like i've heard it's never been profitable but it's like yeah that's like his favorite one and we were also concerned like when he handed off the company mm-hmm. that he was going to shut that down or the new ceo was going to shut it down and i think they actually closed like a couple of stores yeah. like smaller ones uh but luckily the ones that we've been to are still are still around mm-hmm. um but anyway that's our little overview on ralph lauren oh we, let's not forget our fallen brother rugby from the oh yeah the prep renaissance of like the late 2000s or whatever r.i.p fred castleberry right yeah. <laughs> apparently for those who don't know i think that's where uh, fred got his start in menswear and i think he joined like a couple of years before it uh closed mm-hmm. um, which worked out for him i mean because he you know he's been very successful Wh- with his own brand where does now. polo sit is that like just above because it's like there's there's uh, ralph lauren like jeans or not jeans he has another line that's kind of oh, like jeans by ralph lauren it's like, like it's like kind of lower end like double rl a little bit they also have that in like department stores yeah i don't i don't really know i guess we could have done you know we're not we should have done more research on his different lines but it doesn't really matter because i don't yeah this is talking about that yeah this is more of just a discussion but yeah where where does polo fit into it is that like mid-tier i i feel like yes because i feel like you know polo is sold both in his own stores and in department stores and i'm pretty sure there's also distinction there you know and i i used to be the label denim and supply that's right there it is thank you uh thank you to kills killstorm uh <laughs> baller name by the way yeah but um i used to i used to be kind of down on polo because it's like at least yeah. the stuff that i would see in the mall i was like this isn't very good but the uh there's a polo outlet by the uh, amc that like i go to to see movies and i walk by the window displays i'm like fuck they have some good shit in there yeah it, you know it's interesting because like ralph lauren is one of those case studies that people often cite that's like an example of like great branding but it's also an example they give to regular men's for people who are starting out like oh just because you're buying something from an outlet does not mean you're getting the same quality mm-hmm. or design so ralph kind of like i mean he's you know one of the best arguably if not the best american designer of our time um but it's interesting that he kind of falls on both of these spectrums you know like brand diffusion versus you know super high quality yeah. stuff you know it's it's interesting and so i guess now it gives us a good segue to kind of discuss him in as you know as a whole for the documentary now mm-hmm. so one thing for uh, first off the music in the documentary <laughs> is so crazy. fucking weird it is it's so <laughs> at the beginning it says it's like original score by this person but it like yeah. it really sounds like it's from like a like a royalty free library yeah and my my hypothesis is that they it is a royalty-free library, but they're all composed by one guy, so you could actually technically say the whole score is provided by one dude. Yeah. I just don't think it was written expressly for this documentary. Yeah, it was, like, all very, like, cliche stuff. It's, like, when Ralph was growing up in, like, in, in Queens or Brooklyn or whatever, <laughs> it, things were tough, and then they played this, like... Like, bam, bam, This, like, R&B, <laughs> like, rock and roll, like, riff. <laughs> If or you guys haven't seen documentary now and the episode <laughs> on the Blue Jean Committee. It's exactly the same music they Yeah, use. they talk about Chicago <laughs> and they play like some bluesy riff. Yep. <laughs> and like that's the point. They're making fun of the whole thing, you know? When he talks about it, it's like Ralph loved the old movie stars. They play this like like totally totally generic, like like Noir-y fucking like Glenn like, Miller or like Artie yeah. Shaw style <laughs> jazz thing. Yeah, and then the opening titles is like some like randomly like Forrest Gump main title knockoff inspirational orchestral music. <laughs> yep. It's like you know all the names, all the illustrations flashing by. Uh-huh. You know, um, but it, yeah, it opens up with a uh, with a Audrey Hepburn giving him his oh, lifetime right. achievement award. Yeah. yeah, and I think you know it's funny because she says like she always smiles or something when she thinks of him. Like she can she can't think of anyone else for like American style, which is literally true. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think you know because America is such a melting pot of you know it's a melting pot of stuff uh quote th- there's a quote of the day on that one <laughs> it's, right it's america's a fondue yeah um but you know you get a lot of like everything i think even in our episode um with 
the uh, the the dressing down of 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 menswear or whatever. Bruce Warrior says like nowadays it's hard to determine like specific styles, you know, like Italian or whatever. But I think you know, like Ralph Lauren, like for American stuff, you think of a little bit of everything. But if you could put it to one man, it would probably be Ralph Lauren. And I, but he also like does everything. Like he does yeah. like the English, shit. American. Yeah, you know. it, no, but I'm like t- talking about specifically American styles. Cause oh he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he does like you know the preppy New England. He does kind of like you know he did like his like like Madison Avenue, like man in the gray flannel suit stuff. He has like double yeah. RL, yeah. which is like you know like workwear it's like fucking like you know southwestern stuff like cowboy he does it all man turquoise yeah. blanket blanket cardigans everything mm-hmm. you know and it's 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 truly a testament to like his pursuit of whatever he likes yeah you know i think i think you know and all the talking heads in the beginning when they talk about like you know him growing up and his old pictures there's one of him wearing like fucking like a an oxford rolled up with like shorts and like uh, knee high socks and loafers and like the the uh or the he's wearing like a short like a, a melton wool like short jacket with like those like vintage moose sweaters which again that's just what people wore at the time but you're like yeah. this is so <laughs> this is very ralph <laughs> yeah like in the early 50s and stuff you yeah. know when he was a kid um but like yeah the voiceover is like i think it's his brother or something where they were like you know even back in the day like he always knew exactly how he wanted mm-hmm. to dress um and uh yeah like he always had a very distinctive style um there's one anecdote where he like goes to a friend's house and he sees like the, his friend's dad who has like a bunch of shoes with shoe trees in it and like i think he recalls her off <laughs> saying like that's what i want to do because he you was know? like i have all my shoes in a pile and it's like hey me too <laughs> it's funny because that's how me and spencer used to have our shoes yeah. and then we have shoe racks yeah now, i just got another shoe, shoe rack because my old shoe rack didn't fit enough shoes so, uh, if anyone wants a free shoe rack, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so what's next in the story? He gets married to Ricky. Yeah. Um, I oh, think and it's I should, funny. I also want to say it's like, yeah. they talk about him and like in high school, he would like go out and buy vintage stuff. And I think it's like, just for context, like he was growing up, like, do you, do you know how the uh, whole like vintage clothing trend started? Cause I know. Go ahead. So this was in the this was right around the time that he was growing up in New York City. There was a couple that found forget about it. Yeah, there was a couple. I I think I might be getting some of the details mixed up, but there was a couple that found like just a crate full of like nineteen twenties raccoon coats. Um, okay, and they were like, "Oh, these this is kind of cool," and so they started selling those to their friends. Their friends were like, okay, where can you get more of these? So they would go to, like, thrift stores, antique stores, and just find more. And then, of course, there was a big trend of people having roaring 20s parties and gay 90s mm-hmm. parties, like the 1890s, where everyone yeah. was gay. Edwardian stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, and it was like, uh, that was that was kind of how it started. And so he was growing up right in the middle of that. Yeah, just like how now we, we still have 90s parties. <laughs> we have gay 90s parties. Gay 90s parties and Roaring 20s parties. Yeah. <laughs> Except the Roaring 20s parties are happening now. Uh-huh. Every party you go to is a Roaring 20s if this, party. Uh, if someone in the future finds this, just know that this was made in the 2020s. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I vaguely remember you telling me that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also one reason why people have such a, a costumey vision of what the olden times were. Yeah. You know, to them, you know, to the 20s and, um, you know, teens and whatnot. Because people just... You know, it was, like, stuff from, like, 40 years ago. Obviously, back in, like, the 90s, not everyone dressed cool, nope. you know, with, like, Ralph Lauren or light wash jeans. I'd say so most people, people just, did not dress cool in the 90s. Yeah, but teens today think it's all great and everything. You know, you see on TikTok or, like, people thrifting on, on Instagram and everything. So it's, like, that kind of, like, idealization of what it was back then. Um, and that's why I'm surprised because it's like, wow, people in the fifties were kind of nostalgic in a sense, at least for clothing and like, oh yeah, we should wear this stuff because, you know, if, when you think in context wise, it still wasn't very fashionable to stand out Mm -hmm. until like maybe in like, I don't know, the seventies maybe, but even then, you know, you'd still be caught dead if you're wearing like a Mad Men suit while everyone else is wearing kind of like disco uh, bell bottoms. You You have to go back farther. You have to, cause it's like. You can't be a couple years out of date. You have to be like 20, 30 years out of date. Well, because there is the idea of a 30-year nostalgia cycle. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure you guys have all heard that one. Um, But yeah, so it's cool to see Ralph had this kind of like nostalgic 
um, very specific view of what clothing or what clothing he wanted. Mm-hmm. And then, um, of course, there's that story of him you know, starting to make ties where he, you know, he had this very specific view of what ties are, but he, he doesn't know how to sew himself. So he got like a tie maker, started making them under his label. And then he went to Bloomingdale's and he's like, here we go. And okay, so this is like what, early 60s, maybe like 1960? Mid 60s, I think. Mid 60s, okay. So his brand started in 67. Okay, yeah. But it's like he he started, I think he started selling clothes like earlier than that. Like 63? Like there's an article, they they cite an article about him in some like trade magazine that was from like 1964 or something. Yeah, and so to to keep in mind here, um, he says in, in the documentary that he. He wanted he wanted them to be wider. He wanted them to be bolder. And at this time, it was still, you know, it wasn't Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Clothes Man. It was like still very Mad Men yeah. style, you know. Like we didn't get the wild late '60s Austin Power stuff yet. So he was like ahead of his time. Oh yeah, by like a couple of years, he was like ahead of his time. Yeah, you know, he wanted like the thick knot or whatever. And so, uh, in in the documentary, he says like he went to Bloomingdale's to the tie to die, the tie buyer, um, and. He was like, the tie buyer was like, oh yeah, for a couple things. Could you make them like less <laughs> yeah. wild, slimmer, and take off your label? And then apparently Walf was like, nope, and walked away. Do department stores still work like that? Can yeah. you Okay. You could just go in and like go to their buyer. Well, I don't know about going. I'm pretty sure you have to set appointments <laughs> now and yeah. go to Pity. And I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure at Bloomingdale's you have time maker. No, sorry. At Pity you have time makers and Bloomingdale's reps go to pity and they but you can't buy. just be like a guy and go into a bloomingdale's like well just like you can't go to you a, can't be a bible salesman <laughs> or a globe a globe salesman exactly. door to door pencil salesman you know? um i do also want to talk a little bit about like just briefly about like what he said before bef- when he first got married to his wife ricky he was living my dream which is um, living in New York City, uh, being married to a total smoke show, and just going to antique stores and buying interesting things. Yeah, what a cool dude. Right? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> What's that feel like? What does that feel like? I think I, you know, I think it's really sweet that like you know they've been together for so long, and, and later on in the documentary he says like all of his like designs come from like what would my wife look good in? Yeah, and, and she looks good in everything. She looks good in everything. It's incredible. Yeah, I think that I think that's really great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously Bloomingdale stocked his ties eventually. Um, and then he started like, you know, people kept asking, okay, what's, what else can you give us? And so he started to do like men's and like, and, um, you know, that's when like his suit started coming out. Like, of course he is not a traditional designer. They keep saying this the whole, the whole time. Like he doesn't, he doesn't do a lot of his own sketches. He has people do it, but like he has this way of communicating his, you know, his ideas to people and they're able to make it. And, you know, he'll just give feedback you know and change just kind of like how george lucas and ralph mcquarrie you know star wars wasn't visualized until ralph mcquarrie came in and he was you know drawing what an x-wing was gonna look like or what the death star stormtroopers were gonna look like what if it was i say this because i was talking to my mom about this (laughs) yeah ralph lauren designed star wars (laughs) and ralph mcquarrie made clothes (laughs) oh man (laughs) 1970 hell yeah baby (laughs) yeah um but yeah no it was clear you know like in ralph wore his own clothing you know like you'll see it like he was wearing they even say it they very 30s inspired he wanted to look like an old an old film but of course with a couple of like modern tweaks you know the the pants were a little bit flared out the the button stance of course is trademarked ralph lauren very low compared to like what it was back in the day but you get like belt backs you get wide lapels low gorges and everything and i I was saying it's like i don't know if this is true but it's like there you know if you buy vintage stuff um if you can't afford true 30 stuff or you're a bigger guy your best bet is to get 70s does 30 stuff because a lot of designers in the 70s were borrowing from 1930s designs i I get the impression from the documentary that he kind of started that. Yeah, no, me too. I mean, again, I don't know. Maybe Bruce, maybe Bruce Boyer will have a, a good uh, a good indication of you know how exactly that came about. But according to them, it seemed like he was ahead of his time, and he kind of brought that in there. Because they straight up you know? have it's like like the uh, like an article headline that's like 1930s designs like on modern suits it, something along those lines yeah it was like whoa look at this ralph lipschitz guy oh that's you it's know. yeah lipschitz yeah. no it, it was something else wasn't it no it's lipschitz okay i'm pretty sure i it might be i can't remember if that's i mean that is the name of the baby doctor from 
from Rugrats. But I'm 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 pretty sure okay. it's Ralph Lifshitz. Yeah, I just looked it up right now. Ralph Lauren, nay Lifshitz. Okay, Lip Lif with an F. Okay, Lif, not Lip. Not Lip. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. There's a whole thing about how like you know. Uh, his brother was saying like oh they think that Ralph had this grand vision in mind but it turns out like they just got teased a lot and his older brother or his I don't know because I thought it was, was funny like, when his brother was introduced with the last name Lauren and like oh his brother changed his name too but it's like no it was his idea <laughs> it was his idea because like they got tired of being called um, shit yeah, boy shits. yeah <laughs> but there's an interesting like anti-semitic part where like you know when he started getting traction like these uh, like people be like oh it's just like a Jew from New York just giving us more uh trying to dictate fashion to us or whatever and there's a good you know there's like an article or there's a talking head with a a jewish um like his name is cohen i think you know it's a jewish reporter and he was like you know he felt really like kind of camaraderie with Ralph. like yeah like you know we're we're doing this american you know we're doing the american dream we're trying to be successful in spite of you know these uh, Mm anti-semitic beliefs um but you know of course he did change his name to ralph lauren and it kind of it sounded cool you know, and on the, on the subject sounded cool when his first when he made his first brand polo. Um, there's some interview uh, with him where he's like, "Yeah, I wanted to call it some sport brand, um, but you couldn't call it basketball or soccer, <laughs> so we went with polo because it sounded cool." Yeah, and it it does. I mean, polo is one of the most uh, I don't know elegant or fancy. And it's like American sports. At this point, people definitely think about polo the brand over polo the sport. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like when you yeah. hear polo, you probably don't think about. Like maybe Marco Polo, <laughs> the game, <laughs> the pool game. Yeah, then Marco Polo, the man. Those he are the only it. two things that might. He rank. was on the Silk Road. And he was like Marco, and so I was like Polo. I'm over here, boss. That's it. Those yeah. are the only things I could think of that might rank above Polo, the brand, as like capturing people's imaginations. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, but but yeah, it, it's so interesting to see. And all, yeah, by the way, these uh, the documentaries intercut with like different interviews with him you know there's a couple times you know when he's modern here sometimes when he's uh like in the 80s or 90s mm-hmm. like appearing on like i don't know he was talking to tom brokaw which is yeah. and tom brokaw apparently is a big fan of ralph lauren low head <laughs> yeah he's a low head yeah. um but it's cool cool because like when you see all these like these intercut documentary footage whatever he's dressed like the same like the ideas are I mean, the same. There the was there time. was a, there was an ABC article or interview he did a while back, I believe, yeah. uh, where he was wearing this like flannel shirt, and it's like the re- I can't remember who the reporter was. I think it was someone big, probably, but <laughs> she was like she was like, oh, is this Diane Sawyer? It might have been. I don't know, but it was like, oh, Trivia. is this is this flannel yours? And he said, no, I got this at Kmart in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like still wearing it and it's like it's like he still has all yeah it's like he he had a very consistent look he always looks great <laughs> yeah you know he's I, it's fun to see because like his effect on people is, you know it's very clear you know like whenever i see someone wear a tuxedo top with like jeans and cowboy boots it's definitely always gonna be inspired by ralph lauren mm-hmm. because he did that he does that like him, a lot yeah no yeah there's pictures of him like like you know like maybe like early 80s where he's wearing like a fucking like casablanca white dinner jacket with like jeans and boots and then you see it like recently when he did his 50th yeah. uh, year thing that's when he walks out in, and it's fucking iconic mm-hmm. you know and i just think it's funny because you know you see like waco or um, um he, Waco is the uh, founder of Revolution Magazine and the uh, the Rake, um, who is who has met Ralph Lauren a couple of times. You know, every time you see him in an interview, he always talks about. It. He's also in the documentary. Yep. Um, but there's another guy who is a cutter, I think, for Michael Andrews Bespoke in New York. I saw it because occasionally I uh, watch menswear YouTubers <laughs> every once in a while, um, and he spoke style. Brian Sakawa has a partnership with them, and they're talking about black tie attire, and they feature this cutter. And sure enough, uh, his his outfit is inspired by Ralph Lauren, where he wears like a black dinner jacket, uh, you know, bow tie, you know, totally normal top half with black skinny jeans and fucking cowboy boots. And you know, it's a it's a Ralph Lauren, it's an American thing because it's a very subversive, yeah. non traditional look. And I think that's like kind of the theme of like Ralph Lauren. I mean, you saw him wear you know chambray denim westerners with light wash jeans, big old belt buckle. He still does that when you see him like in the documentary you know giving pointers to models choosing outfits putting stuff together he is wearing those outfits he's also wearing like you know like a 30s inspired argyle sweater vest with like chinos and like a white oxford 
looking like a fucking like 60s uh college student he still looks fucking great and i think i mean they talk about this at the beginning where it's like when his brother was talking about he would go and he would look great in whatever he wears and i think it's like if you want to talk about fucking sprezzatura it's like he has it it's like all his suits are very like he tends to wear very like structured suits and all that stuff but he looks just as natural as that as he does in like a grizzly jacket or whatever on his ranch. Like it's yeah, there was one like he's wearing like like a like a vest over like a denim jacket uh-huh. over it. He loves layering. Yeah, you know. Uh, but yeah, like whenever I see him like in these uh, in these interviews, you know, he's wearing. I think it's like it's like a black DB. It's like huge fucking shoulder pads, mm-hmm. you know. But he's wearing kind of like a narrow tie with a spread collar shirt that I think is pretty modern. You know, it's you know if you think about it, you know if you modernize the whole thing, it looks like a very Milanese uh, inspired look. You know, but he looks so fucking cool, and it's like in the '80s or early '90s, just sitting there cross-legged on like a director's chair, giving this interview, talking about his process, and it's fucking it's fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, great um, guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't think of some other outfits that are you know. I'm sure I can. We can go back and screenshot or find some screenshots from it. I also um, want, like. I want to give a shout out to all the Ralph Lauren executives that they interview. Because it's like maybe I haven't looked at enough fashion executives, but I assume that they're all like competent dressers. Like maybe the guys probably wear like pretty good suits, but other otherwise it might be a little bit boring. All the Ralph Lauren executives they interviewed, including members of, of his own family, which probably helps, looked great. <laughs> they yeah his his older brother, or I don't know if he's older or whatever, but like his brother who looks to me like an older Kyle Chandling, <laughs> Kyle Chandler, Chandler. yeah. Um, Miss Chenandler Bong. Um, like, he wears, like, a polo shirt, but, like, you know, like, the runaway collar over a fucking DB, and he's, like, over... He's, he's an old guy, and mm-hmm. he looks fucking cool, you know? And I think that, also, well, that you know... one woman who was, like, originally what... She was, like, a... She was, like, a, a fashion critic or something that came to work with him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she was very, like, double RL. She looked really cool. Oh, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think, like, a Chimayo vest or, yeah. like, something, you know. Um, and the, I mean, I'm sure they, they dressed a couple. Well, I don't know, because, you know, you get, like, Karl Lagerfeld. You get, um, oh, who's the Batman guy? Fucking Adam West? <laughs> no, the guy who directed the worst Batman of all time. Oh, Joel Schumacher. Yeah, he's dressed really well. I don't know if he's, he's a dandy, Ralph man. Warren, but, like, you look at, say, Jessica Chastain, and she's wearing, like, um, she looks like a Ralph Lauren model. Yeah. I don't know if she ever did before, but like she's wearing like a white, white shirt with like a camel DB mm-hmm. uh, coat, and the lapels look very like Ralph Lauren has very distinctive lapels. Just because I'm a lapel fetishist, <laughs> another great quote for people to repeat at me later. Yep. Um, but like you know, he has a very like it's like a low gorge, um, horizontal, but like it's very sharp. You mm-hmm. know, it's, there's not a lot of belly to it. Um, and you can see that on all of his lapels. You see it on Jessica Chastain. Uh, I bring this up because I'm pretty sure um, Woody Allen dressed himself. Who, yeah. for some fucking reason, there are in this three documentary. people who are in, are on the Epstein flight logs in this documentary. There's <laughs> Hashtag Chewanon. Yeah, <laughs> check it out. Yeah, but uh, uh, who, who are in, they? No, say it. Oh, uh, well, Woody Allen, uh, Naomi Campbell, and oh, yep, and uh, Hillary Clinton. They all oh in this yeah, I thought you were gonna tell me someone really random no. or something, but I, but those are names I I remember when uh, our friends over at True Anon uh, gave a uh, a list of people who are connected to Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, but um, who did not kill himself. Listen, listen up for a future episode. Hint, 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 hint. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, no, yeah. So like, yeah, Woody Allen for some reason is in this, and he just says something like, "Oh, I, you know, I, I always liked Ralph Lauren. I, I buy him, you know, or whatever." Well, what I'm wearing what like a shirt that looks like it was just unfolded yesterday. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> but what, what's what's confusing to me is like all, all the times they talk to Woody Allen, they don't talk about Annie Hall, because um, uh, Diane Keaton's look in that movie is so iconic and started a whole fashion trend in the late '70s with women, and that was all Ralph Lauren. That was like he designed I- that. I also wish they talked about fucking him dressing the Gatsby movie. Yeah, exactly. They, they like have that pictures Ralph of Lauren, it. Yeah, and they they mentioned Ralph Lauren's like, oh, he was very inspired. Like like when people saw him back, and they're like, oh, it's a modern day Gatsby. And I'm mm-hmm. like, talk about the fucking thing. Yeah, but they they didn't. Um, I kind of wish anyway, they talked about more of his like work in movies because they talk about how much he loves movies. They talk about how if he was, they even have gratuitous like footage of like. Uh, 
I don't know. I forgot their fucking names. Clark uh, Clark Gable or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they say that if he wasn't a fashion designer, he would be a movie director. Which is a common theme for a lot of menswear people. Yeah. Um, you know, Fred Castleberry. Tom Ford has directed movies. And if we want to get into his advertisements, that seems like kind of his thing. Yeah, yeah. He, You know, it's interesting because, like, um, they, they have a really good talking head in, in the moment, too. It wasn't like an afterthought. Like, they recorded this guy who's a model. And he's saying, like, yeah, when I got here, they said, okay, this house, you think of it as your, you just inherited from your recently deceased uncle. But the family doesn't know about it yet. You know, and, mm-hmm. you know. However, take that in the direction wherever you want it. And yeah. he's like, okay, and he did it. You know? And it's, and yeah, because it's like, they, it's the same kind of thing. Well, not really the same thing as Drake's, but they say a lot of the times they don't use, like, professional models for their, like, video ads. They try to get, like, either people they know, just, like, kind of more regular-looking people. All the yeah, pe- yeah. I don't know if this is true because all the people in their ads are very good-looking. <laughs> so. Yeah, also, I mean, they did say, like, also, like, they're, like the, the, uh, the black guy who... I forgot his name. It's really bad. We'll include like, all these names. In. Yeah, in the show notes. Yeah, but like you know, he used like a black guy in a suit in a time where you wouldn't normally think to put that. You yeah. know, uh, or and using you know featuring like Naomi Campbell. You know, like black supermodels and everything. Um, and uh, so like yeah, again like what I like what Spencer says like they say that they didn't use a lot of people, but then a lot of people that they feature in the documentary are kind of big names yeah. so it's it's interesting there um but like apparently one of the ads was like some dude like some some fashion executive's husband who was like a professor who happened to like look really good in suits and so mm. they got him to be in it um or there was that magazine ad that they talk about where there are no clothes like not naked people, oh yeah yeah no like people, the, so yeah it's when bruce yeah bruce weber was shooting it and they you know he shot up a, a frame of this uh of this green barn in the mm. forest or whatever. And Ralph was like, that's it. We're going to put Ralph Lauren home or whatever on it. That's it. And, and I totally I get it. Cause you look at that. and I'm like, I know, like I get this. Yeah. And Bruce, I think they said that Bruce said was like, it's like the ballsiest move anyone's ever done for mm. like a fashion, like an advertising thing. Um, but yeah, you can see a cinematic eye through everything. It's all very composed. I wish, yeah, I wish they said more about his process with it, but I'm sure that they, you know, he's very involved. He knew exactly what he wanted. You know, you have like a shot that reminds me of Gatsby of like people all dressed in white where the dad is using like an old camera filming yep. the people. He's filming his family, which is an analog- analogous to like uh, in Gatsby when Leo <laughs> is doing that. Yep. When like Nick and Daisy are like doing golf on the, on like the fucking, uh, whatever the f- pier, the Hudson River pier. I don't know, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a weird. It's so cool, you know, to see such a, a specific eye to every aspect of it. Because, like, they say over and over again that he's very aware of, like, the brand, you know. He's not he, – he's like, okay, what what is a Ralph Lauren brand? Like, what is coming from him? You know, and he always has to, like, search deep and find what that is. And he even says, like, it's a very uh, difficult process for him to kind of, you know, constantly be working. Because, you know, in fashion, you're working maybe, like, at least two seasons ahead, yeah. you know. And he still has a very big part in this. Yeah, they talk about uh, they talk about people like or they, they talk about um, how he went on vacation when they were in the middle of working on like a collection. And oh he yeah. Came back and he's like, "Scrap the whole thing. Like this isn't yep. right. I have a new idea." Um, I don't. Did they mention what that specific collection was? I, I don't know. I think they said it was like floral or something. And then when he came back, he's like, nope, we're doing all gray flannel. Oh, that's cashmere right. Yeah. or whatever. And I mean, it worked out. I mean, like, you know, he's a very, you know, he does a lot of, uh, you know, d- classic flannel looks across all of his collections. Um, I do think it's cool when he says that, you know, not everything he does is like a winner, you know, but he does admit that everything he does comes from him. Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't really pursue trends i don't again i don't know how specific that is you know at, when it comes down the pipeline of when they actually have to sell it um but you know like he did active wear as fashion um a long you know a long time ago yeah. in like the 90s or whatever so um i want to talk about like his or the 80s his like home stuff because it's like i don't do, do you remember when he said he started they said that he started working on i um I'm not entirely sure, but they said at the time, like, no designer was trying to be, like, as vertical or, you know, as vertical as that or yeah. whatever. Uh, um, but, yeah, Ralph Lauren home. Because it's like, I've, I've talked like. to you this about, um, about, like, composers, where I don't understand how someone has, their brain can work so that, like, when they're writing a piece of music, like, the string section is going to do this, and they, like, they, they, they know exactly how every instrument is going to work together. Ralph Lauren is kind of the same way because it's like he 
he does everything <laughs> like he makes clothes he makes like he makes like furniture he makes like housewares i'm like i don't understand how you like have so cohesive a vision or whatever that he i can think just do it's it all. yeah personally i think um that it just comes from being a very specific person yeah you know like you know clearly um when, when he did his first fashion show i think we said like it was in his office mm-hmm. you know which was like a second living room you know has like a fireplace and like a fucking desk and you know it's inherently a part of his brand yeah you know like and just making stuff based on that like if you think if he's like oh i love a leather couch in like a wooden home or whatever mm-hmm. you know wooden room you just make that yeah you know so i i just think like you know when you when you get to that level um especially with clothes you have that where like a lot of designers men and women tend to be like also really good at interior design mm-hmm. you know and again like like in the case of tom ford you do women's as well and you also fucking make movies yep. you know you have this very an aesthetically driven eye um or and mind um and you know and even then you know even if he is um as well as being a very good designer and a big at branding he was one of the first people to do standalone retail shops mm-hmm which is, you know, of course, today you think of like fucking, I don't know, J. Crew, Banana Public at your local mall. But back then, um, everything was vintage. Is a te- yeah. yeah, it's all department stores, um, independent menswear stores, you know, and people would just be like makers or designers only, and people would stock your thing. So that's why it was a big deal that he got into Bloomingdale's. And they know? said they say in the documentary, it's like everyone was like, no, don't do this. It's a horrible idea, and also you're gonna like you're biting the hands that feeds you because you're going to piss off Bloomingdale's. And he's like, no, people are going to see the standalone store and they're going to like want to buy it from Bloomingdale's. I don't. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah. Like they both things increased. I mean, they did say that a couple of times, like they did overextend themselves. I think that's when he started doing like women's lines or, mm-hmm. um, and I think by luck Bloomingdale's actually, I think bailed him out or something like that. They gave him the money or they fronted the money. Yeah. Yeah. To, like, no, they talk it Cause it's like, yeah. Uh, early on, he almost like lost the company or something, and then they yeah. interview the guy. I think in the documentary that was like, "Okay, well, we're gonna bail him out," and uh, yep. he came back. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, it's the whole documentary is just really cool. Um, it's it's like a little over an, uh, almost two hours long, um, and it finishes with the fiftieth anniversary mm-hmm. of ralph lauren which is like you know like a retrospective if you will they do it in like fucking central parks uh i don't know what that fucking bridge is called um but they they do it there that's like anybody who's anybody is there like fucking steven spielberg is there mm-hmm. um and they do it and you know it's really nice to like see how much people and the world appreciates ralph lauren you know and something that, that surprised me watching is that he's a very quiet guy yeah you know like I've seen videos of like maybe um, and you know it could just be because he's older now you know he talks slower or whatever um, because I've seen like videos of like say like Tom Ford talking and Tom Ford's a very evocative you know uh, it's it's like an eight year old video but there's a video of him like dressing people for GQ you see like a feature on GQ.com or GQ YouTube but Ralph doesn't strike me as that kind of guy he's kind of very like understated very you know like I, I do what I like mm-hmm. I don't care if you don't like it you know because, I mean, he, um, he doesn't do, like, a whole lot of interviews. Yeah. I don't know if that's, like, again, maybe because he's older. Like, I don't know if he did a lot of interviews in the 80s and 90s. But, yeah, there's, like, you don't really see a whole lot of interviews with him. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just really nice to see, you know. Yeah, they talk about guess, how like, much, like, his family seems very, like, tight-knit. He's still, like, like very much in love with his wife. He loves his kids. And he says he wants to spend most – he doesn't have a lot of free time. He wants to spend his free time with them. Yeah, and and doing it this way, you know, he couldn't imagine himself doing anything else. Like, mm-hmm. this at least gets him, lets him be connected as much as he can to his family, you know, and uh, and his muse, which again I think is super cool to like, you know, dress your wife and, you know, your wife be accepting of that. I don't yeah. know many women who would love to be dressed by a man uh, or their significant other, uh-huh. um, but you know, it's it's super cool <coughs> to, um, to watch. Um, you can see one of my favorite outfits. I think he's wearing like a a navy blue turtleneck or something but then when the camera shows like a wide shot he's wearing like purple cord pants oh that's right yeah and i'm like hell yeah dude i haven't i've kind of wanted one ever since um i saw ethan newton wear purple 
moleskin mm-hmm. pants with a blue blazer and it has i think i asked him about it and he's like yeah it's kind of like a english fuck you you know old money kind of look and i'm like that's exactly why i want to wear it you know um and again it's it's really cool i think i've written about this a little bit with the artist style artist in the studio article that i did but like it's cool to see him like when they interview him he's like he's like in his office or in his like mm-hmm. living room and it's such a cool look and aesthetic you know, there's a lot of books every lots of americana lots of i mean americana through him because it's a lot of like gifts that his people have made for him lots of polo bears um i still want a physical polo bear yeah yeah it would be cool yep it would be well, the reason i bring it up is because um again like i think i mentioned this before i'm in like you know different asian american groups and one of them is called subtle asian aesthetics and occasionally some people will post pictures of their room and um you know a lot of people today and it doesn't have to be asian but like i think people tend to go for a more minimalistic room kind of like kind of modern you know like white furniture mm. but there's something about like the like the americana maximalism oh, yeah. i don't know what the correct the correct term is but our friend doug um has a great apartment you know i think it's I think personally it's inspired by Ralph. It can't not be, but you know, you got like all these like indigo blankets, Chimaro blankets, Pendleton blankets, like draped over stuff, you know, leather couches, leather uh, chairs yep. um, and books and all. And it's a very cool, like that's how I would decorate. I think me and Spencer are both. Yeah, no, I'm, would, I for the first time that. in a long time care about how my room looks. And so I'm like getting like decor. I'm like, you know, getting new bed sheets and everything. And that's yeah, kind of yeah, what yeah. I'm going for. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I still like, you know, what, um, what's his name? What Don Draper's apartment looks like. I feel like, well, I mean, that's the whole point of being, you know, being able to decorate your own thing mm-hmm. when you are able to kind of combine what you like and, and have something that's, that's totally wrong. I think if that's a theme of the documentary, basically, like Ralph Lauren has been able to make a business out of his pursuit of his own creativity and not only, you know, be successful, but like not not cheat himself out of it like he's mm-hmm. not kind of he's not giving up anything um i don't know if that's still possible nowadays you know with how how often uh how you know businesses go out of business or people you know social media you yeah. know people have to try and like cop out in some places but ralph lauren definitely was at the right place at the right time and he was able to kind of kind of do it you know from some random living in some random apartment in i don't know where it was queens or something <laughs> queens which which the five boroughs if you put them together yeah. it makes fists. yeah you know going from like you know having a fake apartment that was like painted to look like wood but it really wasn't yeah. to like having a, a fucking ranch and have it, buying a mansion just to sell stuff mm-hmm. in new york on uh, the rhinelander mansion and having a fucking polo bar you know which we didn't get it's, to go to but uh it's okay because we could not afford that we're probably right yeah, um, we can just go get Ralph's I think the last sometime. thing we haven't touched on from the documentary before we get into, I just, I don't know, final thoughts, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Blowheads. Oh, yeah. That was that, that, that was, was an interesting section. I'm always, like, kind of fascinated by it because it's, like, such a preppy brand. But, yeah, it's, like, these guys managed, for those of you who do not know, Lowheads is, like, I don't know how to describe it. It's, like, pre- predominantly, when- like, lower class, like, like African-American. Yeah, African-American, like, black teenagers. This was, like, a big thing in the 80s and 90s. They would wear, like, all polo. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they would steal it. Yeah, which they talk about in the uh, documentary, but it's, like, they all look they really They wanted cool. to be a piece of that, yeah. Yeah, because it's, like, it, again, it's all, like, individually, they're all, like, very preppy items, but they make it look very, like, streetwear the way they style it. I, You know, something I was thinking of is, like, you know, <clears> when you're when you're stealing something... <laughs> Um, you just grab whatever you have, right? Yeah. And so maybe these guys would get like stuff that was too big for them, but they'd wear it anyway. I feel like that's a thing, mm-hmm. you know. I feel like I've read that somewhere, and it worked out for them. And it's they even say like they, they were able to recontextualize this very waspy American style stuff, even when Ralph himself was not waspy. Yeah, you know. And it's like again, like that's the whole idea of like idealizing and creating this kind of universe that people can be a part of just by buying it um and these low heads were able to kind of do that in their own way um and yeah that's why you know that's one reason why ralph Lauren is so iconic because you can see him in everything you know whether Mm -hmm. it's furniture whether it's you know western wear to fucking street wear yeah you know because i mean they even talked to uh they they interviewed kanye west too yep like because when he got started he was wearing the the pink polos and shit like that was like his look 
it's you know it's it's all about like kind of like subversion too like you know people don't think that you know back then african americans or so could like wear that stuff and so they did mm-hmm. and then they did it in their own way and um yeah it's uh it's really cool that they included that little facet onto mm-hmm. the uh in the documentary um anyway we're wrapping up now i mean i think it's really cool you guys should definitely watch it oh yeah please um it's on hb i don't know uh, there's always the uh alternative methods if there's you want always to my way <laughs> There's always hanging my yourself. way out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, th- the first thing you see before Saint Peter is the Ralph Lauren documentary, <laughs> very Ralph. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah, definitely do watch. It's really fun. Watch it with your menswear friends. Point out all the cool shit you'd wear, which mm-hmm. is what we did. Um, but yeah. Oh wait, just want to c- shout out uh, Ralph Lauren, Taste King. He calls out the Aviator. Incredible movie. Uh, I think it's kind of like overlooked. Um, and my man drinks Coors Banquet, <laughs> which is <laughs> sure what okay. I get at bars. <laughs> I don't even drink coffee. So. <laughs> so hell yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to like, you know, you know, a couple of our friends have worked at double RLs mm. and, and, uh, and Ralph Lauren and stuff. And, you know, they always have good things to say, you know, it's yeah, a cool I still, place I to still be. love double rl i mean I d- i've never bought any any double rl like retail but i get a lot yeah. of it secondhand on ebay yeah uh, which yeah, you can definitely. find for pretty cheap like a lot of the coats and stuff you can't but like smaller items like shirts or whatever you can get oh definitely you can get definitely for under 50 dollars yeah so check check all that shit out um we'll include all this in our show notes and everything um but yeah let's i'm gonna close off now with a couple of questions from our submissions if you haven't please go give us some, some questions. We do like, you know, two or so, and we're going to run out eventually. I'm sure. Oh no. Um, you gotta, gotta ask us more questions guys. I know. I know. Um, here is a question for Spencer. Oh, a question from, for me. This is from Seth. I'm 24 with a quickly receding hairline. Okay. When did you make the decision to go for broke and start shaving your head? Any tips for aspiring Chrome domes? Oh, Captain Phasma. Um, would also be interested in a broader discussion of hair care and menswear. Uh, I'll let Spencer answer it first, and I'll I talk mean, about, I guess, me. I don't know, like, t- two years ago, and I just did it because I was, like... You got closer and closer each time before you did it, too. Yeah, completely shaving. It got... I mean, because it's, like, like, it was... buzzed, yeah. Yeah, because it's, like, at first I didn't want to go, like, full bald because I thought that would be too big a transition. Weenie Hut Juniors! And maybe it was. Um, a good thing that I didn't go all the way at first because that might have like scared me or something i don't know but i did it because i just uh, was tired of it being something that i thought about every day (laughs) and so i was like you know what like i'm just gonna just gonna own it and so uh i do not regret it right now um i haven't i haven't i normally shave like every other day in the shower right now i haven't for a while because me and my friends are going to be doing a um like a mob surveillance style photo shoot and so i'm kind of trying to have like tony soprano hair <laughs> so okay yeah sure um uh in terms of i don't really hair care is not a thing that i really talk about in general um just because i don't i'm not that kind of blogger i keep it about clothes and fashion uh photography um and so i don't think we're going to be talking about hair care in menswear uh, I will say because I mean you don't have much of a routine, right? Because you don't even you don't use product. I don't I don't use product in my hair at all. My hair is don't like this all the time. <laughs> I used to have the undercut uh, where it was you know parted to one side, and now I do the center part because I've been leaning into the whole artist e boy whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. I I really have no advice or anything to give for. Um, for hair care, you kind of just have to find what makes you look good and just do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you, Seth, for the question there. And our next question is from Aaron. How do you find a good tailor? I have tried different ones and no one seems to understand high rise, wide leg, no break, uh, but not cropped, etc. Um, I found my tailor based on recommendations Okay. because that's the vintage Same. store that I tended to go that I went to. They all, everyone that worked there and most of the people that shopped there use the same tailor. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you, if you, if there are people in your area that are stylish that you trust, ask them where they get their clothes tailored and, and go there. But if not, Yelp is, 
probably pretty good. Yeah, yeah, same for me. All of mine have been uh, suggested to me, whether it's, you know, Spencer telling me about Ruben down in OC or Mark Chevalier telling me about um, Academy Taylor in uh, Pasadena, which is where I live, so it's lucked out because I used to go to Ruben all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I... Uh, I would suggest finding a tailor that has worked with suits, and by that I mean who has made mm-hmm. suits, not someone who is like I wouldn't go to like an alterationist at like a dry cleaner, um, because uh, if you can't, that's fine. I mean, I've if, done if that for like doing really small stuff or like repairs when I like don't want to drive like thirty five forty minutes to go to my tailor, but generally, yeah, for anything complicated. I, I take it to Ruben. I would just say it, it's it's worth it just to do everything by like a person you trust yeah. because uh, if a guy has made suits, um, he'll know what you're talking about. Um, I've seen some advice on Reddit that's like like take like a pair of pants like a couple pairs of pants to a couple different tailors. Whoever does some yeah, of the best, I guess but, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's that's a lot of work and a lot of um, money. Yeah, and if this question <laughs> is in terms of finding a custom tailor. Uh, I don't know how to answer that because I don't have a lot of bespoke things. Um, all of them you've got through work, so. I Most of them I've got through work or through friends who do know it. So, um, yeah, because an alterationist will not, cannot make your pants high rise or make them wide mm-hmm. or make them, you know, no, not, no break but not cropped. Honestly, you have to be able to show them pictures uh, in both, whether you're getting something bespoke or going to an alterationist. Showing them exactly what you want is important, you know. Like, you know, pinch your leg and say, like, okay, look how the drape of this. I want it to look like this. Yeah. You know, like, just show them. Be as vocal and as explanatory as possible within reason and don't be a jerk about it. Um, but, yeah, it's really, and honestly, you know, if you haven't lucked out, it's going to take you a while. You know, we, me, Spencer and I have just been able to be fairly lucky in that we've found um, tailors. Uh, and in my case, also custom tailors who kind of understand what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Um but yeah, I'm sorry we're not able to like it, you just have to keep looking. Yeah. You know, and and uh Yeah. Just and it also again, like it said, it helps to know exactly what you want. Mm. Cause if you kinda go in there and you don't know what a no like the difference between like a shivering break and a no break is, if you ask them to not give you a break, they might make it crop just because you you didn't tell them because to some people no break means like hovering and some people mean no break means like touching but not breaking you know and so you have to just show them and i'm sure i'm sure this is not the case for the the people that listen to our podcast but yeah. i've seen again on i think on the same reddit thread where people were like how do i find a tailor these reddit dweebs <laughs> just being like uh, I'm too shy to like tell my tailor what I want or whatever. It's like I'm afraid I'm going to say something wrong or it's like I don't want to be too much of a bother. But it's like yep. then you're going to end up getting clothes that you don't like and blame it on the tailor. It's like you have to be specific. It's their job. <laughs> yeah, It's fine. Exactly. They're not going to take it personally. Yeah. It's like if, if in a restaurant you get like, you know, look for me, I eat plain cheeseburgers. <laughs> if it's not plain, I'll, I'll send it back. Jesus. And I'll say, I mean, I'll... Yeah. I'll usually eat it, you know, but like, say like, you know, if you got the wrong food, you might as well tell them, yeah. you know? Yeah. Also, you don't go to a restaurant and be like, I don't know, what do you think is good? And then not tell them what your preference is. I remember we went to BJ's once <laughs> and the, I don't know if you've, if, if B, I don't think BJ's is like a local chain, but if listeners have not been to BJ's, the menu is huge. And we went with someone and they, when the server came, uh, they asked the server, What's good here? <laughs> and I think me and Spencer tried to bite ourselves. Yeah, because it's too like much. there's the menu is it's forty pages like, long. It's also like American food. Like just get a fucking burger or pizza. Yeah, bro. it's not that hard. Classic. American like I understand. Food. Like you're going to like boba. Like boba is different. But like, come on, yeah. dude. <laughs> anyway, um, look out for the show notes. Well, they're in the description of this episode. Um follow us on instagram i am ethan m wong i'm at spencer dso and you can follow the style and direction instagram um because we post pictures from the show notes there as well as some quotes um because i tend to say some really weird yeah, shit quote, every once quote in a while. quotables quote <laughs> oh my god yep. r.i.p alex trebek oh no not yet but <laughs> it's very i will be very sad to see him go i am currently watching the um if we're talking about things we recommend, we I'm currently watching the uh, greatest of all time championship, and I realize that they did it now 
because Alex Trebek may not be with us. He's a Stark. You know. Yeah, when he yeah. goes, Ralph Lauren goes. I mean, they're both they're both getting up there. It's gonna be very sad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, you can follow. You can go to at style and direction, all spelled out. <laughs> what a segue! What a segue! Um, the, the, it's yeah. like the guy who invented the segue who died driving his segue off the cliff. <laughs> what a segue! <laughs> Yakov Smirnov. What a segue! <laughs> Is that real? No. Yeah. Yeah. That that happened. And Yakov Smirnov, his like catchphrase was "What a country." Oh, but they're two different people. There's one of my favorite jokes in 30 Rock um, is uh, when uh, the new CEO of Cable Town was like a super like nice American man who is very similar to Kenneth. Yeah. You know, he, he likes giving hugs, wearing Bugs Bunny ties. Um, he goes like, Jack, is this meeting going to take long? I've got tickets to Yakov Shmirnov's show tonight. And man, Russia is quite a country. I'll <laughs> tell you that. And I think that's such a good joke. Cause oh, man. For those of you who don't know it, he's the guy who does the whole uh, in Russia road fork you or whatever yeah. shit. And I think that's funny that uh, <laughs> it's such a weird joke. Like such, a, it's not even a real joke. It's just a weird thing to say. Reference. Um, we can talk about comedy in a future episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but anyway, guys, we will see you in the next one, hopefully soon, because I know this one was a long time coming. Christmas break. End of January. Okay, long break. <laughs> Lunar New Year. Yep. Even though I'm China, even though I'm a uh, Filipino. Okay. <laughs> we'll see you in the next one. Bye bye. My wife. My other wife. Okay. Space goals. I wanted that in there. Okay. okay. <laughs>